Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. You must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. When you're born again, when Christ comes into your life and saves you, suddenly you see things that you had never seen before. You see life differently. You, you see and are aware of spiritual battles going on. And you become aware that life is more than just the few years that we spent here. There's a perspective that completely changes when a person is born again. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. As Pastor Ed begins his new teaching series on having our spiritual eyes opened, he'll be reminding us what it was like going from spiritual blindness to having our entire perspective and worldview changed. The moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are filled with His Spirit and you're enlightened to the truths of God. You are now aware of the spiritual battles all around you. And you know that living for eternity is much more beneficial than living for this world. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. I'm going to ask you to turn to just one passage of Scripture, 2 Kings 6, verse 17. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. This passage of Scripture, the context of it is that Elisha the prophet has a word from God. God's been speaking to him. The enemy's upset because every time God speaks to him, he's spoiling the plans of the enemy. And so they decide to attack him. They send some soldiers Soldiers are going to come and uh, devastate where he lives and destroy him and his uh, servants. And the servant sees what's happening, and the servant becomes very fearful. But Elisha has this uncanny peace, this calm, this tranquility. And he prays this prayer for his servant. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes. Let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. In that moment, his eyes were open to see that there was an army of God around Elisha protecting him. Sometimes we simply forget that we're not alone and that God is with us and that the angels of the Lord encamp round about those who fear him. Remember Jesus' prophetic word about those who would be born again? In John chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. When you're born again, when Christ comes into your life and saves you, suddenly you see things that you had never seen before. You see life differently. You, you see 
and are aware of spiritual battles going on and you become aware that life is more than just the few years that we spent here. There's a perspective that completely changes when a person is born again. But there are times that we need our eyes touched again and again so that we might see more clearly. Like the man in the Bible that Jesus healed and he said, I don't quite see clearly. And Jesus touched him again because he had seen men as trees walking and all of a sudden Jesus prays for him again. He's healed and he sees everything clearly. And in Revelation, Jesus speaks to the church at Laodicea and it says, anoint your eyes with salve." He wants them simply to see. Sometimes uh, we fail to see even the obvious. The tears fill our eyes. Sorrow breaks our heart. And at times we're not aware that God is there in the midst of that situation and circumstance. Years ago when I was in seminary, I was introduced to the writings of Henry Nouwen. As I began to read his books, I realized that this man was a profound giant spiritually. And I would give it to the boards. I'd give out books by Henry Nouwen and to others. Uh, He is one of my favorite authors. Towards the latter years of his life, he went through a very difficult time. It was a horrendous personal time of depression. He couldn't sleep at night. He would weep uncontrollably. It seemed like the joy of living left him. And and he used to enjoy music and painting and he just couldn't enjoy anything. And he felt like the bottom fell out and he had lost everything. He said, I felt like I was completely shattered. During that time, this great spiritual teacher and writer and author found two spiritual mentors to help him get through it. And so he would meet with them on a daily basis. The one thing he didn't lose was the ability to write. In this midst of this time of feeling all alone and forsaken, he wrote this sentence which later was published in a book. It wasn't meant to be published. It was just his personal musings, his personal thinking. And the book was called The Inner Voice of Love. This is, a par- this is a couple of sentences that he wrote. There are two realities to which you must cling. First, God has promised that you will receive the love for which you have been searching. And second, God is faithful to that promise. In the midst of his brokenness, he got a word from God that helped him and helped others. If in the time of difficulty and trial, in the time where we feel like everything is sometimes crashing and the circumstances are going against what we thought they should be and wanted to be, and Peter tells us life is like that. 
woven into our journey, woven into our existence, is this constant suffering and trial. But don't miss God in the circumstances. Just want to look at how you might see him and not miss him. Look at your circumstances through faith in God. Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now that passage is taken out of Hebrews 11, that great hall of fame of men and women of of faith. You have men like Abel, who by faith offers a better sacrifice than Cain, and he suffers for it. Uh, You have Enoch, a picture of the church in the last day. Enoch was a man who loved God, and suddenly he disappeared when God took him. And he had this testimony that he pleased God in trying times. Then you have Noah. Noah faithfully built an ark for 120 years and everything seemed to be going against him. Uh, Very few converts. He was glad to get his family in the boat. But he believed God. And then God calls Abraham. And his life is filled from day one with exploits of faith because he had to face one trial after another, after another, after another. It didn't end. Unless you look at your circumstance, at your trials with faith, you'll falter and you'll fail. Unless you have the eye of faith, you won't be able to run the race God has for you. God is speaking through all the events, whether it's still small voice, whether a passage of scripture, whether a song sung, whether a a passing word. He's speaking. He's not stopped speaking. The completion of the canon of scripture didn't silence God. He still speaks today like he spoke to Abraham. When you look at Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, it says they had this hope for the future. The enemy wants to rob your hope for tomorrow by having you focus on all the problems today. When not realizing that the problems today are a gift from God, if you allow God to come in and show you how to use the trials rather than be crushed by the trials. What he experienced was he would look at faith, he would look at his trials and circumstances through faith. Don't look at God through the circumstances. God will look so small. Look at the circumstances through God and they'll appear so small because there's a great big God. The Jewish people, imagine being with them in Egypt seeing incredible miracles, having incredible promise. The promised land is yours. Every foot of it, it belongs to you. God said it, 
And that should have settled it. But if you read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 2, it says, God's promises to enter his rest still stand. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared, this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Wow! Camp on that. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. God gave promises and said, you're going to go to the promised land. God showed him his power, his might. He displayed it in Egypt. He displayed it when he opened the Red Sea. He displayed it all along. But yet, it didn't produce faith in their heart. You have to look at your circumstances and be able to see God. And if you can see him, sometimes you have to listen real carefully and be silent. Sometimes you have to Pray, open the eyes of my understanding, Lord, so I could see with my spiritual eyes. But if you'll still your soul and you'll believe God, you'll see God. They didn't experience all that God had intended and planned for them simply because. Oh, yeah. The movie was good, The Ten Commandments. I mean, it's inspiring. I've watched it a few times. Haven't you? I wasn't that good. They lived it. All 10 plagues pour down. Now, I, I know it was spectacular, you know, with Charlton Heston and the staff and the Red Sea part. But imagine living it and walking through that Red Sea and going on the other side and watching Pharaoh's army just overcome by the river that closed on them. But they didn't profit from it. You can see miracles and it can pass over your head. And so what the scriptures are telling us is look at your circumstances, look at life through the eyes of faith, faith in God. And then there's another lesson that I want to draw your attention to. Look at your circumstances through the mind of God. The scripture says clearly, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. All right, God, fit into this box. Here's the parameters. Here's how you have to work. God doesn't do it our way. Again and again, he surprises us. When he sends his son to this world, he didn't send him to Jerusalem. He didn't send him to Rome. He picked out an obscure place called Bethlehem. God doesn't do things our way. His thoughts are not always our thoughts. And we stumble over our pride. In Isaiah 57, 15, for this is what the high and lofty one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite 
and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. What a powerful passage. The high and the lofty one, the holy one of Israel. He dwells with those who are lowly. That's God's nature. Lift yourself up. God will bring you down. Humble yourself and God will lift you up. I like the way C.S. Lewis put it. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you can't see something that's above you. I tell you, God's ways are not our ways. He doesn't think like we do. We have our career path planned out. We have all of the things that we think should happen. We have this and that all planned. You know, we're filled with all sorts of prejudices that keep us from seeing God. The scripture in Isaiah 43, 19 says, see, I am doing a new thing. What's that new thing God was doing? Well, God had delivered the people powerfully from Egypt, and now the people were expecting something similar. Because Isaiah spoke a prophetic word into the future, to a future generation. And he said, when you're in captivity, you're going to find God's going to deliver you. And so they thought back in their history book and they thought of Egypt, they thought of the Red Sea, they thought of Moses. But God was going to do it different this time. He just moved upon the heart of Cyrus and said, Cyrus, just sign a decree to let my people go. That's how I'm going to work this time. God doesn't always work the same way. You can't understand it. You can't explain it. It's a mystery. Ways that we would never choose. I remember uh, Joyce and I, as we were praying, like any young couple in our 20s, excited about having children, And uh, when Ryan was born, I remember there in the hospital knowing something was wrong. You could see it on the doctor's faces. You could see it on the nurse. And um, it was real difficult. We didn't know what Ryan's future was going to be. His legs were, were bowed. His hands were closed. There was muscle missing. The doctors told us that his bones were pencil thin. They were worried about him breaking his bones just by turning or moving. And they said, there's no future for him. Um, But Joyce, our mom, our family, we prayed. And others were praying. And I remember Joyce putting these casts on his legs to straighten his legs out. There was a metal bar at the end. And she would have to peel that cast off as the doctor would put it back on. And it was a tedious thing. And she was going through all that praying as they did that, believing the Lord. And uh, it was less than a year. He was in the doctor's office right across from Lancaster General Hospital, and he went into seizures. He turned blue. 
we were so grateful that they were right across the street from Lancaster General, took him to Lancaster General. He had congestive heart failure. One of his lungs collapsed, and they thought he was going to die. And one of the friends of uh, the family, it was a, she was a nurse. She had been a missionary, um, and she was now in Lancaster Hospital, and she was one of the nurses involved there. Uh, she came in, and uh, she, she loved the family, and from the natural, she was looking at that situation, and I could understand what she said. She said, you know, it'd be better off if he would die, because it didn't look like there would be any future for him. Wouldn't walk, wouldn't use his hands, you know, wouldn't, what would be his future? But he recovered in that hospital. Eventually, he went off digitalis for his heart. Eventually, his legs strengthened. When we lived in Chestnut Ridge, uh, Spring Valley, that's all what Spring Valley used to be, they call it Chestnut Ridge now. Uh, he was behind a couple of years in school and and, and still his neck didn't have the muscles quite in it, and we had to send him to a special school. And as he, we'd go to that special school over the river, to, uh, we would just pray. We would just pray. I wouldn't have planned it that way at all. I would have planned that he would be 100% healthy, wouldn't have any problems. I, I wouldn't have done anything that way. But God used that. And I think about how Ryan, when we came to Children's Church for the first year, year and a half, and then Ryan started the after-school, before-school program here at our church that still goes on, that employs people. Uh, He was the one who started the summer camp. And I think about the miracle he is. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, said Jones. My ways are not your ways. And for all of that's true, we can't always understand why and how God does things. But if we will simply trust him and say, God, I know you can use this. And when I look at this situation, God, I'm going to have the mind of God because I recognize, oh Lord, you do amazing things. I'm going to look at it with faith. I'm going to look at it with the mind of God. And we need to look at our circumstances so that we grow in God. In nine, the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John, it says this, then Jesus, he had healed a a blind man, and the religious leaders just kept on getting further and further from Jesus. Jesus told them, I've entered into this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. This chapter sets up a contrast. Here are the religious leaders. They know the scriptures. They know the Torah. Here's this blind man. 
And Jesus heals him. And the blind man not only has physical sight, but you see his spiritual sight growing and increasing. As he's going through a trial, as he's being rejected by the religious leaders, he's growing. Oftentimes, we go through trials so that God will give us a testimony. Maybe you're listening today and a friend or even a family member came to mind. It's amazing how God's Word seems to always prompt us to think about that certain person in our life that needs Jesus. You know, this message and many others are available for you to share. If you visit buildinginfaithradio.com and simply click on today's date, you'll find options to share this message on Facebook, Twitter, and even an email link that you can send right to that special someone. Check out buildinginfaithradio.com and share today's message. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com to spend some time getting to know us and to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching through his series entitled, Eyes Open. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.